2: what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the Atlantic files brought to you by basketball society online.com and the underdog sports podcast network as always joining you today is Mike bash and myself Alex fishbein and today slash this week we have a guest for you guys we have John Strevens on the line what's going on John
1: hey how are you guys doing today
2: Pretty good, pretty good. How about you? Doing good. I mean
1: not good after last night, but I know Mike's happy, so can't win 'em
2: all. Oh, I thought you were gonna start chanting Kyrie's leaving, but okay. no, no I'll save uh... that for later. <laughs> but anyway, yes, so we have John on a Boston Faithful here. And so, we are starting this week off, obviously, with some of the drama going on in Beantown, and a lot of that is happening, uh, really, well, it seems like it's stemming from Kyrie talking about that a lot of people don't know how to win, he's just really frustrated because he just wants to win so bad, so on and so forth, and it kind of came to a... I guess, a summit here when uh, Brooklyn destroyed them last night uh, and there were a chance of Kyrie's leaving. So I guess we'll start with Mike on here because I know he wants to get his Brooklyn trash talk out. So what uh, what are you thinking, Mike?
0: <laughs> well, the first thing, um, the Nets have been playing well above my expectations to begin with. Uh, they've won like 15 out of the last 18 games or something crazy like that, 13 out of 17, something Good for the for the Nets, and I think that primarily stems to their backcourt play. Which honestly, I might think they have the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference. Um, I don't know if you want to challenge me on that, but with, with D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie, or maybe the best point guard backcourt, I should say, because um, LeVert's out, and they've just been playing real well. Uh, uh, Jared Allen's been playing really good defensively. Joe Harris is shooting the lights out of the ball. Uh, they're getting. Uh, some good play out of Rodeons, Kyrux, and other you know other guys up and down the roster. But it's been surprising to see they play really well in the conference. Uh, they beat in Philly a couple of times. They they beat Boston last night. They beat Toronto, um, and of course they beat the Knicks. So I, I'm happy to see that the Nets are seven seed right now, and they're they're making a surge up the standings. I don't know how long it'll last, but I'm riding the wave for right now. Uh, John, how how the feeling? In, how's the feeling in Boston? Uh, you guys. <laughs> kind of been up and down all season
1: i mean that's really what it is you know typically where you'd see the team that's going to be the tail of two halves they'd have a bad night they put it together and go on a nice little winning streak right there i mean you're splitting it right down the middle where they come in and they're the, what, what are they right now they're the fifth seed in the east so they're doing what they need to to stay afloat there's seven games over 500 seven games out of first um but i mean with the infighting it's just it's not going to end in terms of you're getting marcus morris getting in people's faces and frankly you know i think he of everyone else has a right to be calling people especially like jalen brown out and doing it but when it spews over into you know second game and then at the end of the magic game Kyrie and gordon hayward are going at it last night the fans are giving it to him so I mean, there's some things here that they can definitely be happy about and kind of keep juicing the orange if it is true that last year was a bit of a fluke in terms of that late playoff push and who was stepping up. But, I mean, there's a lot also to be happy of and kind of see there's a still whole second half to go. And with any luck, the East will turn into the East and the Celtics can kind of rise to the top.
0: Yeah, yeah that's fair to say. Um, the Celtics... I said earlier in the season, it's going to take a while for them to get in a groove just because of the injuries that they suffered at the end of last season. But now we're, what, 40 games into the season? You're kind of starting to lose that that, uh, grace period, if you say. So um, they're going to have to turn it on right after the All-Star break or right before the All-Star break if they want to get some separation. But they're a team that's only five or six games, I think, over 500. They can go in any direction. Um, And Kyrie has been someone who... Has caused issues in the past, not not to say teammate issues, just you know how he left Cleveland and demanding a trade. So who who knows what's going to happen in Boston?
1: Yeah, and I mean coming into this year too, him calling out the very fact he's going to stay, that to me was the biggest red flag. You know, you could almost see the writing on the wall at that point. See the headlines start coming from tomorrow: Kyrie leaves after he promises to stay. But you know, we'll have to wait and see on that front. But to the point about injuries, you know, you get someone like Gordon Hayward. Uh, it's funny too. You just you take a look back. You you see what this guy can do, what he does, and it's just breaking my heart. I feel like every day he's taking another step back. He's trying to do something different. They're trying to ask maybe too much of him at this point, coming back from his injury. But you know he's already been playing just south of forty games a year. At thirty nine games already on the year. So at some point it's going to click. I'm hoping and the shots are going to start falling. But it, it's not very promising looking at it in the rearview mirror.
2: Yeah. Um, and then the thing with Boston for me is like, uh, I know Mike and I have even talked about it. Like a lot of people have said, you know, like this team is primed to make a championship run, uh, obviously a lot of talent on the team, but it was funny because, uh, going into this season, like you had the, um, the doubts about, uh, like, back when Houston got Chris Paul and everything. You had the doubts of, like, is there too many superstars? Is there too much talent on the team? And it was kind of funny that no one really thought that of Boston. Uh, everyone was like, wow, they had this team that got all the way to the Western Confer- or Eastern Conference Finals, um, and they had two guys coming back in Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, both star players. Um, and nobody really questioned the fact, like, will it be too much? Is there, is there not enough ball to, to pass around and share between this entire team? Um, and it's, and then it, it's funny now to see someone like Terry Rozier say, you know, a lot of these guys have never been on a team this talented before, um, and and it kind of it kind of made me laugh because it's like well i mean your team last season was pretty damn talented uh yeah like gordon hayward missed all the whole season pretty much um but i mean you still had kyrie for most of the season and really not a whole lot has changed um and then once kyrie went down like the team was still talented enough to get to the eastern conference finals and almost beat lebron um so it's like, it's funny because, like, a lot of those guys also came from big colleges that had plenty of talent. Like, they're, they have played with plenty of talent before. Granted, yes, it might be, like, the most talent they play with. But I feel like at this point, especially with as smart of a coach as Brad Stevens, there should be some sort of understanding of how the team should be able to work, especially after, uh, like, almost what like forty five games into the season, forty games in the season.
0: Yeah, and, and Brad Stevens is like I said, Brad Stevens is one of the best coaches in basketball. So I, I trust him to figure it out. And we, we say that, oh figure it out. They're twenty five and eighteen. They're not they don't have a bad record by any means. It's <laughs> no, just, that's true. the expectations are a lot higher. You know, at this point in the season you probably thought they were gonna be thirty and thirteen or something or you know, twenty nine and um fourteen, but you know, they're not playing well on the road, they're playing really well at home. I, I think I think I think they will turn it around ultimately. Um, it's just it just you know something's gotta change there. Maybe they gotta trade trade somebody that, you know, is causing issues in the locker room. I don't know. I'm not in the locker room, so I couldn't tell you that. But um maybe something has to happen to shake things up, but I think they'll turn around. I think they'll be fine. I, I just don't know if they're going to win the East, as many predicted in the preseason, as it was almost like a slam dunk.
2: Right, right. I, I Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, as you just said, um, I was looking at some of their splits earlier. And at home, the Celtics are outscoring their opponent uh, of an average of 113 to 103. But on the road, they are still outscoring their opponent on average, but it's only 109 to 108. Um, And on the road, they have a record of 10 and 13 compared to 15 and 5 at home. Um... So, and it's funny because we talked about them uh, the last time about like, you know, it looks like they're starting to get it together. They're starting to look like they're putting something together, especially because in November they were 7-8 and eight through that month. December they were 9-5, and five, so they were starting to look like they were picking up some steam. But right now in January through the seven games, they're only 4-3. and three. Um, They are putting up a, a pretty nice number of 112 points per game, but... I mean, a loss that's like, and no knock on Brooklyn, but a loss getting blown out that much by Brooklyn uh, is, uh, I mean, pretty telling in and of itself. Um, And uh, the big thing about this team, which I thought would not be an issue, is that on back-to-backs, I thought since this team was so deep, I thought that they would be better than they are. And they're actually two and five on back to backs, giving up hundred ten points a game and only scoring hundred four, which I thought was kind of a surprising number.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't expect that because um, especially how deep of a team they are. But right. um, one team I just want to touch, um, talk about more is uh, Toronto. They just—it doesn't matter who they play. It doesn't matter who's playing for them. They're—they're just—they're just like a well-oiled machine at this point. Um even the nights when Kawhi hasn't played they still beat like I know a couple weeks ago they didn't have Kawhi and they went out in Golden State and won. Um they're getting big performances from your boy Pascal Siakam oh,
2: and yeah, Serge Ibaka. All- I saw him creeping up in that All-Star ballot. Uh, have they did they release a uh an updated one? They uh put out the second returns and Pascal Siakam is up he's like uh second from the bottom in the front court. In the east, I'm gonna have to check this out. Oh, yeah. I tagged, I know I tagged our Atlantic Files account in it. Okay, I'll, I'll take a look. All right, um, so we still have Dwayne Wade up there. Yeah, I mean, I expected and, Dwayne Wade to be there still, and Jeremy it's like Wynn.
1: Well, Tory that never ends Putting Dwayne, putting D Wade into the all star game at this point,
2: <laughs> exactly. And it was it was funny because so there was um I forget the guy's name on Twitter, it's Josh something, he's from Canada. Um he's one of like the bigger names on Twitter. But he was talking about how like he hates the fact that there are these kind of like farewell tour kind of things that people still vote into the all star game and everything. Um and I, I, I agree. I still think the all star game should be a thing where, you know, you get young guys that deserve to be in the game that get voted in. I think that uh, just because it's a player that everyone has loved for so long, uh, like, I think it's kind of dumb to have them in the game. I think there should be some sort of, like, extra spot on the team just for, like, superstars if if you're going to do that. Have, like, a little, like, one slot on the team, like an extra slot that's for, like, a person who's going to retire and then still keep everybody who actually deserves to get a spot yeah
1: make it fun like do like a player coach type deal you know like put him in a suit and then he rips it off and you you know he has a few possessions doing something like that yeah but i mean geez to be the second top guard in the east come on
0: exactly not to mention uh demarcus cousins is 10th in the front court in the west and he hasn't played a single game (laughs) at least Dwayne Wade and Vince Carter have been on the floor this year Uh,
2: that's true that's true I can't I can't argue against that one
0: I'm still mad though because I don't see either D'Angelo Russell or Spencer Dinwiddie on there I mean for Christ's sakes Spencer Dinwiddie won the uh skills competition last year (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: is that supposed to get you special consideration in the next all-star game
0: I mean, I guess there's a curse. Because didn't uh, Carl Anthony Towns win it the year before? He's not in the top ten. Spencer he won it last year. He's not in the top ten.
2: Yeah, but Carl Anthony Towns was still in the All-Star game. Well, last year. No, I'm saying, but this year there's a new curse starting. Oh. There's a whole uh,
1: lot of things wrong in Mini. Not dealing just with no curse or anything like
0: that. (laughs) It's the uh, skills competition curse. It's like the Madden curse of basketball.
2: Well, then I'm glad Embiid didn't win it.
0: (laughs) Embiid's doing just fine
2: uh, behind Leonard and Antetokounmpo. They're doing a draft this year again, right? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. So the top vote-getter of each conference is the captain. So it would be right now now Giannis and LeBron.
0: LeBron yeah. Yeah, unless Doncic takes over.
2: Yeah, I, did him fly up there? Wow. I low-key hope he does, because that would just be fun. But, I mean, obviously, I mean, LeBron has been hurt. Weren't there rumors that he's going to be out until sometime in February now? Yeah, I don't even know if he'll be back for the All-Star game.
0: Which, imagine that, that'd be something.
2: Yeah, seriously. And the whole time, the injury didn't seem like it was really going to be all that serious to keep him out this long.
0: Did you see the video? Somebody tweeted out of uh, Rob Polinko like, um, um, like pacing after
2: the game. Oh, after the Cleveland loss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw that.
0: <laughs> so I, I, I can't stand. I don't know if either you guys follow Bleacher Report on Instagram, but I can't stand the way they do their Instagram posts. Just like, first off, they hype up Zaire Wade all the time. He's not okay. even like a top 150 recruit in basketball. He gets like ten points a game as like a junior. It's like why are you hyping this kid up? But second of all, they're they're like, Oh, he's pacing after the game. But when you play the sound, they're playing like in game music. So it's like forty minutes after an NBA game the the PA is still playing uh blasting music. It's <laughs> like I, I was like I feel like whoever's running that account doesn't actually know what's going on. They just try to make like a, a witty caption.
2: Yeah. I mean, at the same time, I th- I feel like that's what a lot of Instagram is these days is, like, the best – it's a game for the best caption, not exactly, like, what's going on. Fair enough. Yeah, and <laughs>
1: if he wasn't pacing around on Instagram, you know, he'd be trying to sell us, like, tea or teeth whitening, like,
2: whatever I... else is flowing
1: through people's feet.
0: Casper mattress.
1: The new one is, like,
0: hair products.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. You got poster boy Rob Polinker, or Rob Lowe, you know – He'll get out there and he'll sell you whatever you want.
2: God, Rob Palinka looks exactly like Rob Lowe. Right? Oh, hold on. But it was I the it. I think it was the picture with uh, the one where LeBron was with Palinka and Magic. And when I first looked at it, I swore that was Rob Lowe. Oh
1: yeah, you're like you're like who did Chris Traeger into this game? What's he doing
2: back there? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and everyone's caption is like, "Who we trade next?" I was like, "Are you trading for Rob Lowe? Like, why would you be talking to Rob Lowe about trades?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I, I wonder. I'm just looking at Rob Polenka. I wonder if the Lakers are trying to win like a executive basketball game. You got Magic Johnson who's six foot nine, and then you got Rob Polenka six six. That's got to be like the tallest, you know duo for
2: uh front office executives <laughs> i've ever seen yeah that's i mean that is pretty crazy They try to
0: intimidate free agents in the coming to LA. just wait till Rob Palenka starts wearing the michigan jersey
1: you know then he's really gonna start scaring people off oh, I did,
0: it's a, oh he did go to university of michigan was he on that fab five team? yeah he was on the fab five teams was he the
1: super six <laughs> he was six man of the year Roblo, <laughs> <laughs> Roblo coming off the bench.
0: <laughs> I, I go to his I go to his Wikipedia page. And it says point guard, 1989 tournament champion. Where did he put? They, I thought the Fab Five didn't win. No, they Winner. were 1991. No, yeah. Oh, so he was there before them, and then he got replaced. Okay, okay. So they won before he got there. Oh, I'm sorry. He they won before Weber got there.
1: Yep, there yeah. you
0: go. And then, the two teams he was on with Weber and them got vacated. So yeah,
1: ninety two and ninety three. Yep, not ninety yeah. and ninety one. That was my bad.
0: Okay, no, no, it's all good. I was like, wait a second. I was like, I thought they were they were known as like busts. You know, they didn't they didn't win at all. Yeah. But uh, but um, so Alex, you you don't get any New York sports radio down there in Philly, right? I, I obviously. do not. No. All the like, I was in like Boomer Sizing in the morning. And they're all New York uh, Knicks fans. Right. And all they talk about is how the Knicks need to lose. Like, every day, (laughs) they're like, okay, we need to sit Ennis Cantor. We need to to sit this guy. We need to sit that guy. Like, we can't play Tim Hardaway so much because we might win a game. And they're just, like, lining up for Zion Williamson, who I still don't think should be the number one pick. I know that might be a, uh, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, um, God, I can't think of it right now. A bust. No, an arbitrary pick for not oh. taking a – not arbitrary. What's the word I'm looking for? Like off the beaten path. That's a term I guess I'm looking for. But, uh, you know, I just know how the Knicks operate, and they're going to end up getting like the fourth pick in the draft after they win 12 games this year. Okay. So all this tanking and then watching them not get Zion and get get like Ja Morant. That's cool. I know you're very high on Alex. Yes. But uh, it it just—it's weird to see a fan base want their team to tank. But I get it with Porzingis hurt, with a lot of young players. Um, We did it first. Do you do you think the Nets have? I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you think the Knicks have any sort of like promise? Like I guess if they get the number one pick. But
2: uh, I mean they have promise for like very later down the road because Knox has been picking it up. Um. Knox had a few 20-point games I believe recently. Um and if you if you take any uh stock in it, Kevin Durant even like was singing Knox's praises as well, I believe. Um I mean, either way that's some big words coming from a player like that. Um But yeah, after I mean, you got Knox Mitchell Robinson has been a a very nice, uh, low risk pick for them. Um, Chris Stapps is obviously he'll be back next season. Um, and you still, I mean, it, it should be interesting to see what he brings now. Like after that injury, hopefully he at least stays the same of what he is, but hopefully his potential hasn't been kind of like shaved because of that. Um, And then, really, after them, looking forward, like, with their young guys, you still have Alonzo Trier, who's been showing some promise. Um, and then after that, like, they picked up Mario Hazonia, but he hasn't done really anything. Trey Burke is okay, but I don't think he's a guy you keep around in the long term. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., I I don't think his timeline really matches up all that well. Um... Courtney Lee is going to be gone very soon. Frank Needle akina hasn't been a good good project so far. Uh, And then after that, really, you got, like, Cantor and Damian Dotson. And they both, like, Cantor has been decent, but, again, I don't think he matches a timeline, so I think he's going to be gone. And then Damian Dotson, he's had his games here and there, but he hasn't shown anywhere near the consistency to really be a mainstay in a rotation um but speaking of Cantor do you guys think that he could be traded bought out and who do you think it should be that you know inquires about him uh John I'll let you go first
1: I mean Cantor what he's got 18 million for this year so Probably going to be bought out more than anything else. Knicks will just eat that just so they can be done with him. I mean, like, sure, he's a fan favorite. He's a fun guy. He's a big quotable one. But I don't know who's necessarily going to give up that much. If not, leave the Knicks with the entire check on that one. Um, In terms of, like, teams to go to, you know, I always think the Spurs are in the market for these big guys, especially with Powell kind of hobbling hobbling along with one foot at this point. He would definitely help out their front court. Uh, the clippers, kind of the island of misfit toys, you put Cantor in, give him, you know, twenty minutes coming off the bench, what have you, he'd be good to go there. Um, I don't really know if he stays in the east. You look towards the top of it, who'd be there? I mean Raptors, Bucks, Pacers, any one of those guys would appreciate his depth. Really, you know, it's gonna be whoever can body up and beat for the longest amount of time. But yeah, I just I don't know. If I just say if I trust my gun on something, I'd say Spurs. I think he's got pop written all over him, and I think he's kind of the next in line to fill out that five for the few extra minutes they give him. I
0: like yeah, I, I I agree with that assessment. Um, I you know I mainly because pop taking a European just seems natural. Um, <laughs> that's that's my take on it. But uh, no, the Clippers are a good team. I, I just don't know. I, will the Clippers stay in the contention in the West? Um they were a very good story early on and they've kind of held steady lately but I think inevitably they're going to start falling a little bit and then who knows what they decide to do. Um if he stays in the East, yeah, it's going to be a team that really thinks they can go toe to toe with the Sixers or or the um Raptors and and want size I don't think Milwaukee's a fit for him because I think they he's kind of the opposite offensively of what Brook Lopez is, and they like the way Brook Lopez spaces the floor. So if they're going to get bring in another big man, it's not going to be a guy who can't space the floor. Um, I think uh, – I mean, I could see him going to, like, Indianapolis – I'm not sorry, Indianapolis – Indiana uh, because Miles Turner kind of banked up with the broken nose and everything. So maybe they, you know, give him a, a – a way to spell Miles Turner and Sabonis. Um, other than that, I mean, if Miami like wants to make a surge, maybe they go after him. But I, I can't see that he's kind of like a very poor man. No, I, I can't even compare him to Whiteside because Whiteside actually plays defense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, there's it's, a lot, it's limited, but it's I, I think in the East it's going to be a team that wants that knows like all right we're gonna have to body up with with Embiid or we're gonna have to stop you know Giannis and we got to get some size. But, uh, you know, he, he's an interesting guy. I feel like they can get some value for him. Um, I know the money is a lot, but he is a guy who averages a double-double. So so I, I could see somebody throwing a weight first if they could absorb the money. But he's an interesting guy. I did see uh, somebody on Basketball Society write that buyout um, article, and I was interested to see uh, Cantor on there. Um, yeah. is there. Is there anyone you think, Alex, that the Sixers go after? Uh, maybe not Cantor, but some, you think – they're looking for someone.
2: Um, well, real quick before I go into the Sixers, about Cantor, I think Charlotte could could potentially be a place uh, that might look into that, especially because they do have some younger guys that they aren't playing. Um, so they could uh, potentially dangle those guys as, like, someone that, um, you know, the Knicks might want someone along the lines of Dwayne Bacon um, someone along the lines of Devonte Graham, JP Mercura, like they do have some guys in there that they could throw in as like younger guys that the Knicks might want in this rebuilding phase. Um, so I, like, I think they could potentially be somebody that, uh, could want Cantor, especially because the whole Dwight Howard experiment didn't really work out. Um... And right now, I guess like the main centers that they're really playing are uh, Hernan Gomez, Cody Zeller, and Biombo. It has Frank Kaminsky listed as a power forward. So um, yeah, I don't I don't know. That, that not really a crop of centers to write home about. Um, but as far as the Sixers go, I mean, so just a few hours ago. Now that we're recording this here on Tuesday, uh, they did just sign Corey Brewer to a 10 day contract. Uh, and that's something that, I mean, I've talked about time and time again is that they need wings who are able to switch on the multiple people on defense and one that is able to pretty much slash and shoot threes. Um, especially because they got. Uh, like when we talked about it, they, they also needed that guy before they made the trade for Butler. They needed the guy that could also create some offense on his own. They got that in Butler. So now what they need is more guys who can actually, can actually contribute in more ways than just one singular way, because they have guys like, um, like, like cork who can shoot threes, but everything else is pretty much like a negative, um, they have somebody like Jonah Bolden, who has, you know, been decent as a cutter, uh, on offense, but everything else has been very, very lackluster. They have, uh, I don't know. I can keep going like Muscala, who, I mean, just overall, he's been pretty terrible just in general. Um, so there, there's a lot of guys right now on the team that can maybe do one thing kind of well, but like, they need a whole lot more guys who can do everything like slightly above average just like an all-around player more guys like a Courtney Lee like a like a Nick Batum like somebody like that um
0: like my boy Landry
2: Schmidt Landry Shamet has been pretty good. His defense is obviously going to take a little while to get there just because he's undersized.
0: Oh, come on. It's the NBA. Nobody cares about defense.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I thought that, too, until every single team picked on Marco Bellinelli last postseason.
0: No, it's okay. Only baseball is about analytics right now. We don't care about
2: basketball. Um, but yeah, so I think like they'll definitely be targeting a lot more wings. I'm curious to see who exactly enters the buyout, uh, phase, um, just to see like what kind of wings might be there. I saw something that the Sixers are rumored into a rumored about being interested in Jeremy Lynn. I don't really know all about that i don't think that's a i mean i guess he could be like a six a decent sixth man um but if you're telling me that i have to trade tj mcconnell for him i'm saying absolutely not uh well you wouldn't trade tj mcconnell for anthony davis so exactly so i'm definitely not trading him for jeremy lynn <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh yeah john just in case you didn't know uh alex has a love affair for tj mcconnell yes
1: yes <laughs> surprise he rises
2: to the top out of everyone in philly <laughs> oh it's tj over everything every single time um, wasn't
0: wasn't he there through the process
2: yes he's okay, one of the it. one of the og processors
1: one of the first and he'll be one of the last at this point to get like everyone locked up
2: it, really the only ones left are him and and brett brown the other two, yeah. the other two were Covington and and Sharich, but they got traded.
1: <laughs> they got swapped out for good old Jimmy Butler, who complained with what two weeks into his ten year. How long did it take for him to start fighting? Pretty much, just a few, uh, pretty two, much a few the weeks. first
0: night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably I enough was. shots. <laughs> uh, Jesus
0: Christ,
2: Jimmy Butler, Come on, he wants more pick and rolls. Obviously, he just wants to run fifty pick and rolls a game. Um. <laughs> But, yeah, so I'm curious to see who enters this this buyout phase here Um, because, I don't know, there's, like, a lot of guys that they're in that 3 and D kind of category, but they're not solely 3 and D. Like, they have some more well-rounded skills with them. Like, if they had a guy like uh, Otto Porter, like, he would be perfect. Obviously not the kind of contract he has because that's a lot of money, but uh, somebody like that, like I would love to see somebody like Otto Porter, Batum, those kind of guys on the team, um, and I'm hoping they go after somebody like that that can actually like switch on to different people because the moment we face a team that has more than like two or three wings, the whole defense goes to crap. So.
1: What do you think about going out, you know, through trade or through buyout, through whatever means you gotta, getting someone like junior He's got $14 million this year, $15 million next year, non-guaranteed. You know, he hasn't played since, oof, what is it, end of November at this point. So obviously there'd be some ramp-up time, but that whole point about 3 and D... Guy's been shooting just about thirty-five percent or better from three basically his entire career. And obviously he's in the twilight now. He'll probably only give you what he give you twenty-eight minutes last year, but especially on a team like the Sixers to come in, put up two or three, you know, threes in any given sprint. What do you think he would bring to the table?
2: I honestly would not mind having him as a sixth man at all i think he could be that kind of like lightning in a bottle kind of offense for you um even at where he's at in his career right now um so if they could somehow like get him for something cheap ish um i think it like i think it would work out very very well uh like if you know, we gave up some of the the guys that are still like towards the end of the bench, but some of the younger guys. I would probably do that. Um, at the same time, if we had to give up like anything, like if we had to give up a first round pick or anything close to that, I would probably say no. I don't think it's worth that much.
0: Yeah, I don't think you'd have to give up that for Jr. I think just somebody taking his contract would be as, as much as uh, the Cavaliers would want at this point. Maybe some, uh, I don't know. There's no uh, international bonus pool money to throw around, so I don't know what you could trade <laughs> around in the NBA. <laughs> Maybe you could trade a uh, trade exceptions, or is that the equivalent in the NBA? Um,
2: I think you can trade trade exceptions. I feel like I feel like Cleveland did that before with LeBron. No.
0: No, I know, you you can trade trade exceptions. I just oh, don't know how oh. they. I really don't know how they work in proposing trades. I only know how they work once
2: you get them. Oh yeah, I'm not really sure. The but so the biggest thing for me is with the Sixers. Like we still have yet to see a lot of people because they've all been hurt. Like I still I haven't seen Zaire Smith step on the court. Um, and he's apparently supposed to be like a very very good defensive player like right off the bat. Uh, with like at least some remnants of offensive talent (laughs) so like i still haven't seen him even play shake milton has played here and there and he hasn't looked awful um they just played this haywood highsmith dude who came in and hit a three but that's literally all i saw of him um so there there's like a few guys that i still have yet to see and so it, it kind of, like, I, I don't, the, there is, I would trade, the guys I would trade would be like Wilson Chandler, corkmaz uh, Muscala, um, probably Jonah Bolden as well, we still have Amir Johnson who hasn't been playing, um... And at this point, like with Markel Fultz, if you can get something pretty good for him, it's it's at this point in time, I, I'm thinking it's almost time to to pull that trigger.
0: So, Alex, you you kind of sound like me when I play fantasy baseball. I trade the guys. <laughs> I trade you the guys at the bottom of my roster if you'll give me something. <laughs> you, you can ask John all about that. Oh my god. Mike you want and I this guy? Back you want forward. this guy? I'm going to drop in a week? I'll <laughs> take I
2: mean, <laughs> Wilson Chandler's not.
1: Trading Wilson players, Chandler's Mike not. Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> you know, you. Uh, like, what kind of value are you going to get for Jonah Bolden or Wilson Chandler?
2: I mean, uh, Jonah Bolden could be somebody for a rebuilding team because he's a
0: rookie. Hey, don't get me wrong. Trevor Ariza got somebody Kelly Oubre, so I guess. Some of these GMs are uh, drinking the Kool Aid over there. Yeah, I mean
1: something. I well, mean, that's like if the you faults too, you, could, you know, like as soon as something comes on the table and the offer's right, I think he's gone. Yeah, uh, you know, number one pick and everything else of the sort. But it's one of those things, you know. It doesn't matter what body work there is, what diagnosis is out there. Some GM somewhere is just waiting for him to hit the block, and then they're gonna, you know, sell the farm to get him because they think their staff, their coaches, everyone. He's the missing piece, and they can fix him.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I, with uh, with our track record, I wouldn't mind taking him in Brooklyn. But, you know, do you want uh, – what can we give you guys? You want Ed Davis? Not really. Do you want, uh, <laughs> you want uh, Travion Graham? And, uh, and uh, we'll give you Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. How about that? I'll take, Ro- I'll take Rondé. For another guy who can't shoot.
2: I'll take Rondé, but I also want Joe Harris. No, 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 no. Right, so... Paris <laughs> is not on the table.
0: Joey... Joey Moses is untradeable.
2: Come on, you know, you know, Joe wants to play with TJ. Come on now. Be the
0: most unathletic backcourt
2: in the history of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like
0: it'd be like the nineteen sixties all over again with Bob Cousy.
2: <laughs> but no, if the looking at the Knicks. If they wanted faults and they gave us somebody like Courtney Lee and uh maybe Courtney Lee and either Tim Hardaway or Cantor, I would do it.
0: See, here's my problem with trying to trade away faults. You're in such a bad position because it's like the second you trade him away, you know he's going to blossom. Maybe not into a superstar, but into a very good player. And you're going to sit there and be like, well, see if I would have held on to him for an extra two weeks or yeah. an extra two months, he uh, this was the player we drafted. So you're never going to get enough value for him because nobody's going to give you a first-round pick. Or if they do, it's going to be like pick 28, which only Sean Marks knows what to do with that. Um You know, it's it's so it's it's hard to say. Oh, let's trade Fultz. He's got the Matt Harvey injury, which I still don't understand how that how that works in basketball. Um,
1: (laughs) It changes your shot entirely. Pretty easy to understand.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, I meant like, how do you get the injury? Which we still don't know. I guess there's been a motorcycle accident reported. There's been you know other stuff reported, but lifting up
2: too much Chick Fil A. (laughs) <laughs> did you see the uh the clemson football team at the white house yesterday yeah with every fast food imaginable
0: donald trump said he he footed the bill what was the,
2: the bill 25 dollars
0: that was probably like three grand which is still nothing to him just got everything the on the write-off. dollar menu i don't even <laughs> think he needs to do use it as a tax write-off actually well, it, it would be uh, it would be uh, allowed as
2: meals but does he have taxes? He's the president.
0: <laughs> yes, everyone has to pay taxes. Even the president?
2: Yes, I He honestly, reports to the IRS. I honestly didn't know he had to pay taxes. I'm going to be yes. honest with that. <laughs> every, everyone has to pay taxes. Okay. Everyone except business.
1: for Wesley Snipes. Wait, 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 wait <laughs> what?
0: What do you think? His businesses are all just tax exempt? Well, he <laughs> had
2: to step away from the businesses, didn't he? Yeah,
0: but it's still in his name. All right, fine. His kids have to pay
2: taxes. Well, yeah, I figured his kids did. I don't think you're
0: not the accountant of the group.
2: (laughs) Obviously not. (laughs) But, okay, so before we get too far away from basketball here, um, John, I'd like to get your opinion on something we talked about actually last week. uh, Because since we were talking about the Celtics maybe having too much talent, is there somebody on the team right now that you would trade and I'm not saying like you know like, all like Brad Wanamaker, Pittsburgh um, like, boy. <laughs> he, he was he was <laughs> the lowest bench guy on the team that I could think of, and it's only because he went to Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but is is there anyone you could see trading like somebody like a uh, Jalen Brown or or even like would you trade Kyrie himself? Like, is there somebody you could see trading and getting something back worth? while that would still allow you to compete for a championship?
1: That is a very interesting question because it kind of comes back to the conversation, you know, that we just had about faults where you talk about, you know, like if you give up on him and he turns it around two weeks later, are you kicking yourself? Because, right. you know, they've got what like one of the top 10 youngest teams in the league. So I don't even know if the guys who are struggling now, if this is who they are or if this is just their natural bumps in the road. You know, you got Terry Rozier. He's clearly not going anywhere. Marcus Smart. Well, it looks like they would have let him go last year in free agency. Like, you know, he's locked up, so I don't think they're going to turn around and dump him just yet. Realistically, I think if they really wanted to try and make a big move and shake things up entirely, and he's one of my favorite guys, so it's definitely going to be heartbreaking. You almost got to move someone like Marcus Morris. And he's so integral to what they do. You know, he's having this like all-star freakish year out of nowhere. I mean, what's his line? I was looking at it before. He's literally three free throw points away from having a 50, 40, 90 season. So like, if you're going to do that, I don't know who the hell you would give him to because you'd probably just be facing them later in the playoffs considering he's on an expiring contract. He's at 5 million, but like that would be the guy I would point to because I know it, Knowing Danny Ainge and how he's kind of you know kind of turn every single one of these players into a pick right thereafter, that's what I would have to say. Because everyone else, they're just a role player. Like like I just said, given Boston's position in the hierarchy of things, anyone they give away is potentially someone they got to go for. I think if someone wanted to sell some tickets, you know, kind of do a late season push of their own, one of these borderline teams, like what you got the Magic at the ninth seed, one game behind Charlotte for the eighth two games behind Brooklyn for the seventh and who's in the West. I mean, the Lakers, it's, you know, that's almost who they're looking for. Someone like that can come in find their own shot and get the hell out of the way. Once LeBron comes back, that's who I would point to. But would I be happy about it? Absolutely not. Do I think it would be a smart thing if it's going to a contender and, you know, that pick all of a sudden isn't number like 13 that Ainge could hit. And now it's, you know, 25, 26. Probably not because those odds are significantly shorter. But he's definitely who's going to feed you, that's for sure. He's definitely going to help your future out if you do move someone out of the way.
2: I like that answer. I do. Uh, that is a good one. And, I mean, it, I think it would be interesting to see the team dynamic if you got rid of Morris just because he's also kind of been – I don't really want to say the glue guy, because I don't think necessarily he's been the glue guy, but just that enforcer type and the guy that does have everyone's back for, I mean, until he got in a little argument (laughs) in a timeout. A little argument had to be separated from Brown, but... (laughs) (laughs) but... Uh, I would just I would be interested to see the team dynamic if the, if he was shipped out, um, just to see if maybe you know someone else would step up as a guy as the fiery vocal guy, or if uh the team would be just kind of I don't want to say more like mellow, but just like not as you know like fired up all the time with a guy that since they don't have a guy like that around
1: right and in doing that in moving that you already have horford who's your oldest player you know he's the only guy on the team who's been playing more than 10 years 32 years old feels like a grandpa watching him run around this year you know he's been on the decline for so long and i just think of a few days ago when Kyrie's like we need someone with like 13 14 years experience someone who can come in you know kind of tell us it's a it's a marathon not a sprint and get everyone into place You definitely lose that that toughness edge of it. And then you've got, you know, kind of like uh, one of these uh, quiet Titans in Horford more in the mold of Tim Duncan than Marcus Morris. So you take that away. Does the team crumble that much more or do they kind of find their balance, figure it out, distribute the ball? There you go. You know, it's always it's always weird when you see guys like this, especially on a team like the Celtics, when Morris is having this career year, he's taking all these shots, he's making it at such a rate. You almost got to take a step back and say, like, is that the problem? Is someone like him and having to feed him in the lineup what's causing, you know, Jalen Brown to have a down year? Jason Tatum's not touching the ball as much as a byproduct. I mean, Kyrie's basically the same thing as he was last year as advertised, so he's far from the issue, at least on the court. Who knows what it's like in the locker room and everything else, but... Yeah, I, I always wonder, especially in a sport like basketball, where guys get moved so quickly, the contracts are so short. Is someone having this good of a year on this roster beneficial for the team, or is it just beneficial for himself? And he's going to cash in, you know, with like Phoenix next year.
0: Ooh. Now, kind of the piggyback on on what you were just talking about. Is there a guy on the roster who, you know, not I'm not talking Kyrie Irving or Tatum or Gordon Hayward. But is there a guy in this roster who you think, if an opportunity opened up because of, you know, let's say Marcus Morris got moved or Marcus Smart got moved, if if 20 minutes just became available or 25 minutes a game just became available, is there a guy in this team at the bottom of the bench or towards the bottom of the half of the roster that? you think just needs an opportunity to shine, or or do you... Like, for example, the Nets had Spencer Dinwiddie last year, and but we had Jeremy Lynn going into the season, we had uh, D'Angelo Russell, and then Dinwiddie got the opportunity when Lynn when went down, and then later when Russell went down, and he blossomed into this good player. Is that guy on the Celtics roster?
1: I mean... He hasn't been there in such a long time, but you see someone like Aaron Baines, who's basically had his minutes supplanted by, and I always mispronounce this guy's name, Daniel Thies, I always get it wrong. Um, he's literally taking right out of Baines' cup, but they're playing him at the forward. So you think of like some bench lineup down the line that turns to, you know, and, ooh, he's actually shooting somewhat decently from three. He's at 37% for three. Last year he was at 31. You know, granted, he's only doing 15 to 20 minutes a game. I don't know. I guess you would just keep feeding Daniel then seeing what he's doing in that situation and being able to rotate in Baines out, you know, into the five. Maybe there's some freakishly tall lineup you play with Baines at the five, Horford at the four and then Daniel at three. Um, But, you know, the point is there it's they're clearly top heavy. They do not need another guard. They do not need another swing, man. I mean, even playing Jalen Brown at the shooting guard seems excessive. The guy's six, seven, you know, so it's like they don't necessarily need more in the backcourt as much as they do in the front court, and just getting some more rim protection, some more versatility and keeping it going there. So I'm inclined to say Baines just because those minutes in and of themselves would open up. And, you know, you can run a starting lineup where Baines is at your five and you move Horford to your four and all things else considered stay exactly the same with no Morris in the picture.
0: A- Alex, um, Alex is having nightmares of the thought of Aaron Baines.
2: <laughs> uh it's only against philly that he decides he can make threes
1: <laughs> every
2: time oh my god he's we, coming we, we, man the go away when
0: we did uh we did our year in review or we did our 2018 2019 preview he he mentioned that aaron baines just like caught fire from three pointers uh from three point line against the celtics I looked it up last year. I think he hit like five career three-pointers. He hit eight in that series.
1: <laughs> yeah, where is it? Yeah, literally. Heading into this year, he had four three, four made threes on the year. My goodness.
0: And then, yeah, and then in the playoffs last year, if I could find it, playoff totals, he, he hit 11. And I think like seven of those <laughs> or eight of those were against the Sixers.
1: Yep. He just really doesn't like he just really doesn't like Meek Mill man. He came <laughs> out, he rang the bell, and that was it. Baines was in. <laughs> Baines like,
0: it was like, uh, remember Cam Newton when the uh when the Giants like took a lead in MetLife Stadium a few years ago? He just made this like face. He was like, all right, it's time, and then that, that was Aaron Baines once he saw the bell ring. <laughs> it's, 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 um, I'm spotting
2: up in the He's corner. I'm
1: ready to I'm,
2: I'm go. Getting- <laughs> oh my god! But no, I I definitely hear that. Like I I. I love all of those points, and yeah, I, I've I've been a proponent of Tice, These, however you say his name. Um, I, I do think he is definitely a good talent, just waiting to be kind of unleashed. Um, he's shown like very great flashes, also like uh, in the times he does get to play. So, yeah, I definitely see that from him. Um, so. Going back to the Sixers real quick. Something that I told you guys I wanted to touch on real quick. I put up a poll on Twitter. um, And I said, if you're the Sixers, who would you rather have? And it was between Jimmy Butler and Bradley Beal. So I want to get your guys' thoughts. And then I'll tell you what the results of the poll are so far. There's still about 14 and a half hours left to vote on it. But um, I'll let you guys know what they are after... Uh, I get your thoughts. John, we can get yours first.
1: Actually, just pulling up some of the side-by-sides right here. But I'll tell you right off the bat, my gut is you stick with Jimmy. I mean, no
2: matter, no matter
1: what what the headaches are no matter what he does on, off the court, says, calls him out. I mean, that's the guy you want. That guy's just going to be the motor, you know, come playoff time. They're going to be able to find a way to work it out where he takes the ball and you get Ben off the ball, vice versa. They're both running pick and rolls, and Jimmy's just going to do enough defensively to put you over the top. Bradley, he's kind of just, we know what he is at this point. You know, like, he's never been a particularly great defender. He, He can get hot in a hurry, that's for sure. But even looking at it now, you know, never been a particularly great three-point shooter. Overshot over 40%, one, two, three times in his career. And he's playing alongside John Walls. So he's playing alongside the most ball-dominant guard in the league right now.
0: Well, Walls out for the season.
1: Yeah, but I I just mean, you know, in terms of like what he's done, his career, the, the sample size outside of this year being much bigger than whatever you saw this year. Um, if he was going to be the catch and shoot guy that Philly needs and he would have shown it by now, we would have seen it and we would have been able to say, you know, this is kind of that lethal one, two, that's been waiting in Washington and even someone like Scott Brooks coming in there, he can't even get the engine to go. So gimme, Jimmy, gimme, Jimmy every day, just keep him happy and, you know, give him his own hotel room, get him the hell away from everyone else. Once the game's over. (laughs) The main difference
0: to me between Beal and, uh, between Beal and Jimmy Butler is Beal has a career record of zero one at the Rutgers Athletic Center. Oh, Meanwhile, God. Jimmy Jimmy Butler, I don't I know I don't know how many times he won at Rutgers, but I know he did because I saw Marquette beat Rutgers. So Bradley Beal can't beat Rutgers. How do you expect him to beat the Boston Celtics? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said Carmelo Anthony would never win an NBA championship. He couldn't beat Rutgers at the rack. How is he going to win an NBA <laughs> championship? How is he going to beat LeBron James or? or or Dwayne Wade or whoever the hell he has to play when he can't be, he couldn't beat Irve Lamazana and uh and um, Marquise Webb. Yeah, I know you guys don't know who those guys are, but <laughs> I, Irve Lamazana was Samuel Dalembert's cousin and uh Marquise Webb was a 6 foot 4 guard from the Bronx or Brooklyn or something.
2: What if what if Melo joins the Warriors?
0: Um uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't think he'd get any. Point. Well, where's he going to play? Oh, did, I don't know.
1: Why yeah, would he. just going to collect his ring, he'll leave. You yeah. know? He'll be like, thanks, guys. See ya. And then he'd prove you wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it wouldn't be him beating the Warriors. It'd be, I mean, it wouldn't be him beating the. Never mind.
1: <laughs> it was like Paja getting his ring with Dallas all those years ago. Everyone's yeah. like, Pedro Stiakovich NBA champ. Like, words? This is still a thing? Or it's like
0: Robert O'Reilly being a seven-time world champion. He made three shots, and he's the greatest champion in the modern era. Or
2: there was a a Gary Payton on Dwayne Wade's Miami Heat team. I always forget about that. And I think Jason Williams was on that team, too.
0: So I I just saw Bleacher Report uh, tweet this out real quick. So you know how they had the Kyrie Irving uh, chance at the Barclays Center last night? Yeah. Well, in Indiana, Kelly Oubre was at the free throw line and they were chanting, John Wall hates you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: great, man. That, that might be the perfect. best one yet. Oh, I love that. That's hilarious. But um, but going back real quick. So personally, I do like Bradley Beal um, just because of the fact that when he has not played with Uh, John, like when John Wall has been hurt or whatever it may be, um, he's actually shown quite the ability to uh, actually, like, distribute and really work with the ball. Um, It's been pretty surprising to watch, like, at first, when uh, he really got, like, a good chance to start playing without Wall. I think it was last season Wall had a big... uh, length of absence because of an injury again and he had some great games I mean and then I think it was just last night or the night before he just put up a 40 point triple double Bradley Beal did um and I think the the big thing with Beal for me is uh to your point um, he has, uh, to, to John's point, he has played with one of the most ball dominant point guards in John Wall. Um, and that is somebody who, you know, uh, like kind of just holds the ball and actually waits for an assist. Like I, I, I kind of relate him to Rondo in terms of passing the ball. Cause it does look like he just kind of waits around for somebody to, uh, like move around, and then he finally will pass at the very last second to get an assist. Almost like you're the point guard playing on two K. Um, <laughs> but if you have a guy like Ben Simmons, who really to me doesn't seem like he uh, owns the ball that often, especially not as much as John Wall. Um, I think that kind of pairing would be pretty crazy, especially uh, with with Bradley Beal. I haven't really seen him, because like on, on the Wizards, nobody gave a damn what was happening in the paint for that Wizards team, because the best guy they had in there was Gortat. Um, So all of the defensive focus was on Wall and Beal. Sure, you still have Otto Porter, but most of the time you can have one guy on him, and it can pretty much neutralize him. But with... Wall and Beal, all your focus is on them. But with the Sixers, your focus, like, I would say 60% of your focus is on Joel Embiid. And then the other, like, 30% would be on Ben Simmons with the last 10% on Bradley Beal if he was there. And I would be curious to see what kind of damage he could do um in that aspect so personally i would actually prefer bradley beal especially because right now he's only 25 and that links right up with simmons and Embiid uh age wise um and the poll that i have on twitter right now is 65 percent bradley beal 35 percent jimmy butler on 103 votes
0: fair enough beal doesn't cause as many issues so i guess that's why
2: that's yeah. true. I mean, I feel like that's definitely part of it. Like, I think there's a little bit of recency bias just because of all the issues that Butler has been causing. Like, if you were to ask the same question when Butler was lighting it up for Minnesota and there wasn't many issues, I think it would be much closer or maybe even the opposite way. Um, but it also would probably be the opposite way if you said the same thing about Bradley Beal three seasons ago when he couldn't even stay on the court. Because... And- That's fair. Yeah. Beal himself did go through a lot of injury issues, but has been very has has been a a whole lot better after that. So. Uh, Yeah, so it looks like that's it for us. Uh, Thanks, John. Appreciate you coming on. If you want to plug your any social accounts, uh, what you got?
1: I got all my everything private. Got no blogs. Got nothing for money. Leave me alone and I'll talk to you guys. (laughs) All right. That works too.
2: (laughs) Um, As always, guys, though, uh, make sure you follow our Twitter at Atlantic Files. Make sure you, you follow, subscribe, rating, drop a review for us on iTunes as well. That helps us get some exposure and brings new shows to you guys all the time. Uh, definitely check out BasketballSocietyOnline.com. We have a huge March Madness event run by Basketball Society coming March 9th in New Jersey. Tickets on Eventbrite. Make sure you check those out. And, of course, check out the other podcasts on the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you, guys, and we'll talk to you again next week. Peace.